Welcome to my podcast, These Dramatic Days. I'm Jen, and I want to have smart conversations about Asian dramas, particularly good Taiwanese and Korean series. Hey everyone, today we're going to be talking about 25, 21 again. So today we're going to focus on episodes 5 to 8, since these ones just aired. And so I'm just going to give you a little rundown of the topics that I'm talking about today. So number one, we're going to have a refresher about the main things that happened in episodes 5 to 8 to jog our memories. Number two, we're going to talk about the slow burn romance stories. So some people are impatient with these kinds of romances, but I personally think that they're very meaningful. And I'm going to revisit the idea that there are two types of romance one that is more physically demonstrated and the other one that's more emotionally demonstrated and this drama tends to lean towards the second type and even though this romance hasn't been fully developed just yet I think people do still feel it because I think there's that dreamy cinematography the settings are beautiful the music is really nice so let's talk about the storytelling elements that are setting up the romance number three I want to talk about resilience I think this is one of the most important messages in the series and it really looks at resilience resilience, grit, perfectionism, which is all stuff that we deal with in day-to-day life. And life is never going to be easy. Even when it's looking up, you never know when things go down. And I think this is perfectly demonstrated through Hito's experience with her winning the gold medal, but also experiencing what it's like to be hounded by the media at the same time. And I think Hito has such a strong mindset and such a healthy way of dealing with bad experiences and getting through tough times. And I honestly think we can learn a lot from Hito and from what her dad taught her in terms of achieving goals and committing to the things that we want to do even when the going gets tough. Number four, I want to review the sports drama. So what is it about sports dramas that are so good to watch? As a non-sporty person who avoided sports dramas for a long time, I'm going to talk about what actually got me into sports dramas and maybe you can relate. And finally, number five, I want to talk about the real life filming locations of 2521. Lately, I've seen a lot of social media posts where people in Korea talked about visiting some of the locations where the drama was filmed. So I've seen photos of people visiting Hito's house as well as the comic book store where Yujin works. And so I've gathered all these addresses and I thought it'd be fun to look at the real life locations and also talk about them in case you're interested in visiting the next time you have a chance to go to Korea for a holiday. So let's kick off this episode with a refresher on what happens in episodes 5 to 8 of 2521. And just putting out my usual disclaimer, if you haven't watched episodes 5 to 8 of this drama, I would say go watch it and come back and listen to this afterwards as I am going to spoil a lot of things if you don't like spoilers. And also, if you want the basic plot for episodes 1 to 4 and uh, analysis of the characters, I talk about that last week. So you might want to listen to last week's episode. But this week, we're going to talk about episodes 5 to 8. In episode 5, Hido actually makes the national team and it's thanks to the support of her coach and Yijin. And Yijin's actually the first person that she wants to tell when she actually gets the news but because the creditors who are after his dad come and harass his brother at school Yijin moves them both to the fishing village where his mom and his uncle are living and he doesn't have time to say goodbye to all his friends but he does keep in touch with Hido via their pages and in episode 6 you see that 6 months have passed Yijin decides to come back and he decides to become a reporter so he passes the exams and gets an internship at the station that Hido's mom actually works at and he gets 
gets put on two spots reporting. Meanwhile, Hida and Yuram have to share a room at the National Training Center and both of them get into fights and struggle with the coaches who seem to favor Yuram. And Hida and Yijin run into each other again. To Yijin's surprise, Hido has a boyfriend. Luckily, it's just a relationship that's only three days old. Anyway, in the end, it's Yijin who ends up helping Hido when she gets into trouble and ends up stuck on a train before her big final match. In episode seven, we see the match between Hido and Yuram for the gold medal at the Asian Games. And the match turns out to be very close, but Hido ends up beating Yuram down to the referee's call. But because Yuram thinks the referee made a bad call, she kicks up a fuss and Hido's name gets dragged through the mud as the media play up the story of it being a unfair match. And so Hido and Yuram both have an outburst at the press conference, getting them both into big trouble. Hido is devastated because her win is taken away from her and also because she feels incredibly lonely as she even sees her mom telling the story of the match being unfair on TV. But once again, Yujin, who met the referee before the actual match happened, convinces the referee to give an interview that balances the story and stops the public from crucifying Hido. In episode 8, after things calm down a bit, Hido ends up finding out about two of Yujin's ex-girlfriends and she starts to feel jealous of his past, especially because she is unknowingly developing a crush on him. Things take a downward turn for Yurim as her parents are conned out of their money and she feels incredibly pressured and sad. And on top of that, she's horrified to find out that her close internet friend turns out to be her greatest enemy, Hido. But she manages to avoid showing her identity and she ends up getting Yujin to take her place. So that's a summary of episodes five to eight, which is what we're going to be talking about today. And the first topic is romance. Technically, nothing has happened between Hido and Yujin because Hido is still in high school and Yujin is slightly older. So in the first couple of episodes where they meet, Hido is 18 and Yujin is 22. And then in episodes five and six, there's a time jump of about half a year. And at this point, Hido is 19 and Yujin is 23. And from the way they react to each other in certain events, I do think these two are still just in a very close friendship. But even though these first couple of episodes are setting up the backstory for the romance, I feel like there hasn't been many complaints so far about the lack of romance because the story is already laying the groundwork for a beautiful future relationship. And the two of them have such a strong mutual understanding and care towards each other that you don't feel like something's lacking. And when they're not together, they clearly miss each other. This is really shown through the words that Hido and Yujin say to each other when they're alone at the restaurant after Hido's boyfriend of three days goes to the bathroom. Hido tells Yujin that her heart skipped a bit when she saw him in the crowd because she was afraid of losing him again. And Yujin tells Hido that she was the only one he could hear in that noisy crowd. And as some people have said, these words are so much stronger than what you'd say to a normal friend. So I do feel like it's showing that they have a sort of soulmate emotional connection to each other. But if you're asking if they're romantically attracted to one another by the end of episode eight, I would say I feel like they both haven't moved into that space for sure just yet. I think it's only in episode eight when Hido finds out about Eugene's multiple past girlfriends that she starts to feel a little jealous and a little bit insecure about how he views her, especially since he's always treated her as a kid, like when he teased her about getting her first boyfriend or like when he teased her about redrawing that comic book page that she accidentally ripped out. And since it's coming of age drama and it's over a period of Hido's life where she's starting to have crushes, it makes sense that she's starting to develop one on Eugene since he's always around and he's always helping her out when she needs him most. On the other side of it, Eugene is aware that they have a deeper connection to each other than they do to others. And I think he admires Hido because she's so high spirited and she's full of determination and grit. And in a way, I think she reminds him of himself when he was younger and he felt like anything was possible. So she's a bit like a ball 
of happiness that draws him in, but I don't think it's romantic love for him just yet. And it's probably due to the maturity thing, since he thinks that she's young and cute, but naive at times. I think she's lacking a lot of life experiences, which he's already had. And I think there can be quite a difference between a high schooler's point of view to a uni kid's point of view. But the groundwork is there for an attraction because they already have such a strong understanding and empathy to each other's situations. And he does spend so much time worrying about her and caring about whether she's okay. But I think it's clear from the ice cream scene where he teases her by leaving a blob of ice cream on her face as a mole, that he still sees her as someone that's different to him, someone that he can tease and be immature with rather than someone that he feels the need to impress. And while I don't think you actually need to impress someone if you truly like them and feel comfortable with them, I do think you need to get through a stage where you both feel that way and it's out in the open. So I feel like any kind of feeling in that sense is pretty much dormant with Eugene in episode 8. But I really like that the series has established this base for the romance that will happen in the future because it makes the feeling of love feel so much more deeper and more meaningful. And their relationship is not something born out of a superficial attraction because of a physical reason, but it's actually because they are so in tune and empathetic to each other's thoughts and feelings. They really care for each other and that runs deeper than anything. So it is a really slow burn romance that stems from friendship. And I do have to say that the slow burn romance isn't to everyone's taste. See, I do think there's two kinds of romances. The first kind is where there's lots of physical displays of romance. So stuff like going on dates, having a wedding or kissing. And then the second kind is the emotional displays of romance. So there's a lot of care and you can really tell through things like unspoken words, gazes, and both characters almost know what the other one needs more than they know what they need themselves. And dramas usually combine both elements, but they also lean towards one side. And I think with 2521, it definitely leans towards that unspoken, slow burn, emotional kind of love. And even though the actual love story hasn't started, they do play around with this element so that the audience feels like it's going to be something that happens in the future. And I think the cinematography is so important in establishing this sense of romance, even though the romance hasn't technically begun yet. One good example of this is that really beautiful dreamy sequence where Yijin and Hido are separated because Yijin moves away. And what they do is they mirror Hido and Yijin's locations and actions so that they're both staring at the snow. And then there's the split screen. So it shows that they're at two different locations. But then it goes into a bit of a fantasy sequence because Yijin reaches over and pulls Hido into his screen and they both run away together like they did that night when they were playing with the taps at the school. And this dream sequence sets up the mood for romance because it seems to indicate that that's what the two characters really want to do together very strongly. And even though they're separated by physical space, this sequence shows that there's no way to actually stop them from being together in their imagination and in their dreams. I also think the background music is super important. They're playing this dreamy loop from one of the songs on the OST, which is a song called Your Existence by Weinstein. And it feels super appropriate in this scene because they're basically willing each other into existence in their imagination. Another example of the cinematography setting the mood between these two, despite there not being any real romance progression, is when Eugene goes to rescue Hido after she's been stuck on the train and he takes her hand and they run through the station out into the sunlight into his red sports car. And because of the lighting being so sun dappled and the music being so light and airy, there's a real sense of hope in that scene. And there's always something about a sense of urgency 
crazy when two people are running and there's sudden hand-holding that makes your heart leap just a little bit. So this scene really plays on that emotional feel and even though they're clearly just friends at the moment, it really hints at how heavily they'll come to rely on each other in the future. On a side note to all of this but on the same topic, I really like that the story doesn't actually deal with love triangles because I feel like that's such a cliched concept and even though they hint that Yurum might have had a crush on Yejin once before in the past because of their long friendship, I like that that's not the reason that her and Hido don't get along because I do feel like there's many reasons that two girls might not get along and it's not always based on some guy. In fact it seems like Yujin is one of the few things that actually connect Hido and Yurum together because even though Yurum doesn't like to help Hido she doesn't really miss a beat when it comes to giving her Yujin's number and I just found that refreshing because that's not always the case in dramas. There's often this big convoluted love triangle and of course Yurum has her own thing going on with the pretty boy of the class and those scenes are pretty cute as well because they're very playful and it also shows a different side to Yurum because she comes off as being very harsh and at times she can be quite cruel to Hido but when she's hanging out with Jiwoong she's more herself. She lets her guard down and she's also more open about the things that upset her and the things that have been bottling up in her life but that's also probably because he doesn't look at her as a gold medalist and an athlete. He cares about her as a person and so that's very sweet to see them being vulnerable and real together. One last thing I want to add is that I find it so funny that Hido is so upset over Yujin's past. I really like that scene in the drama where she's in the library and you think she's studying hard but it turns out she's just looking through old yearbooks trying to figure out who the girl is and she's going through all the photos of girls with the same name and crossing them out. It's super intense and that really contrasts with Yujin's reaction when she introduces him to her boyfriend. His reaction is just one of great amusement when he sees them calling each other pet names and using matching keychains and I think this just goes to show the different levels of maturity but it is also really funny to see the different reactions that people might have to someone's past. So let's move on to talk about resilience and grit. So one of the central themes of the drama which I love is how life is never easy for anyone and I think the drama shows you that it's really easy to look at someone's moment of success or to focus on one snippet of their life that seems amazing but by doing that you are ignoring the bigger picture where there's also moments of suffering or hard work and I think we're all guilty of this especially in the social media age where everyone self-promotes and we want instant gratification like everyone wants to be famous immediately or they feel like they need to be talented if they want to succeed and we don't think about the whole struggle that people go through in order to reach that point where they actually succeed. I think one reason why this drama has been so popular is because it's quite inspiring especially if you're the sort of person who tends to give up on things easily and have lots of self-doubts and if you're like that I can totally tell you that I understand that feeling as well but I also think that you can relate to one of the characters in this drama which is Hido's daughter Kim Min Che who is struggling with ballet and she thinks that her mother doesn't understand because she was born a talented fencer and it seems like Hido's daughter is suffering from a fixed mindset which is when you think that people are born with talent and if they're not born with talent then they can never be good and if you think this way you don't think you can improve at something or change your abilities. And it seems that Min Che thinks this way until she finds Hido's teenage diary which documents how hard Hido worked in order to get better at fencing and to end up at the championships. And it shocks her that her mother worked so hard to get where she was. It wasn't that Hido was talented although she wasn't bad at fencing either. It's that she threw everything into improving herself because she was so passionate and loved fencing. And even when things were hard 
she kept pushing through those times with practice. So it's clear to see that teenage Hito had a very healthy growth mindset, which means that she believed that she could change her abilities and improve herself through hard work. And for those who don't know, the fixed mindset and growth mindset ideas actually come from positive psychology. These ideas were founded by a professor from Stanford University called Carol Dweck. And the growth mindset thing is something that you need to succeed because it helps to give you grit, which is the ability to keep going even when things get really hard. And we see that Hido definitely has grit. She keeps fencing even when Urim, her idol, turns out to be really mean to her. And she keeps going even when she doesn't feel like she's very good at the game. And of course, she ends up winning the medal at the Asian Games against Urim. And even though that should be a happy moment, everyone ends up demonizing her because Urim says the referee made a bad call. And even though this really hurts Hido and she ends up running away, she still ends up coming back as well because she still loves fencing. So I think this shows all her grit throughout the series, but I also think that Hido is lucky because her dad is part of the reason she's developed a sense of grit since childhood. And apparently a good way for adults to teach kids to get grit is not to praise them for having talent, but to praise them for working hard. And that's exactly what Hido's dad does for her. And the flashbacks of the conversations with her dad really show this because we see Hido proudly telling her dad that people think she's a prodigy. But instead of encouraging that or praising that, her dad gets her to refocus on her work and her progress. And he's really gentle, but he asks her if she likes fencing or if she likes compliments. And what I love about that scene is that her dad gives her really good advice, which is that he tells her that progress isn't consistent. It's like going upstairs and sometimes you might plateau for a very long time and it feels like you're stuck. But if you love something, you just have to keep trying. It's about enjoying the journey of learning instead of trying really hard to just achieve the medals. I think these messages are so important to us, whether we're athletes or we're struggling to do something else, like trying to become an artist or learning a language or an instrument. Because if we can get ourselves to enjoy the journey, then we're growing and developing grit. And when things get us down, we'll have that same sort of resilience that Hido has. Of course, this series also looks at the opposite side of things. So the opposite of complimenting someone based on their hard work is probably complimenting them based on their talent, which I think a lot of us have experienced in life. And it seems to happen to Urim as well. It's not even her parents who do this because they seem to be pretty loving and supporting, but it's actually her coaches and the media and other people who focus on how she's a person who's won a gold medal before. And this really puts pressure on her and makes her become quite a perfectionist. And like everyone else, I really didn't like her pettiness and the way that she made Hito look really bad in front of the media. And I thought she played pretty dirty in getting public sympathy in episode seven. But I also felt bad for her because she is under so much pressure. And the reason she's so mean to Hito is because she's threatened by anyone who can steal her position away from her. Not that I excuse her behavior, but I do think she's to be pitied more than she's to be hated because she's just so insecure and uptight from being in the spotlight. Another good point that this show makes is that no one's life is perfect. And I think Hido admired Urim when she didn't know her and her life looked amazing because she was this top fencer. And she also feels that Urim is lucky after she knows her because she sees her with her dad who is comforting her after they've both been punished for acting up during the press conference. And this is a big deal for Hido because her own father has passed away and that's something that she's missing because she has such a poor relationship with her mum. And of course, everyone seems to be on Urim's side when she defeats her at the games, but Urim looks at Hido and she thinks that Hido is lucky because everyone seems to like her, including their school coach and Yijin, who was her close friend at first. And Hido seems to be from a well-off family and she just seems to be really good at fencing. Like she's constantly improving with her skills. 
However, the grass just seems greener on the other side. Hito isn't aware of Yurem's family being so poor. And at this point, I have to add that I like this about the drama in that it's not the main character who is super poor, which is usually the case. But in 2521, while Hito's family isn't exactly super rich, they are pretty comfortable. And it's the second lead who's suffering with poverty, which breaks that stereotype and is more interesting in the storytelling. But going back to the idea that the grass is always greener on the other side, Yurem definitely doesn't know about Hido having a terrible relationship with her mom. She definitely doesn't think about how her actions really hurt Hido's feelings. And she also doesn't know what it's like to be a new fencer who has to defend themselves against the world when the media has painted a really bad story about them. So I think this drama does really well in showing us that no one's life is perfect. And even if it looks good on the outside, everyone has their own set of issues, regardless of their status or talent or wealth. And so it's just better to be kinder to everyone and there's no point in idolizing other people's lives as being better than your own. And in a discussion about resilience, I think it's good to talk about Eugen who has his own big issues as well. I think Eugen is someone who's inspired by Hito to have a growth mindset and at first he seems to be really sad about his family situation and he runs away from his problems. But seeing Hito on TV and sorting out his own feelings with his brother really allows him to get back into the fight. And even though he can't achieve his dreams of working at NASA, he ends up being a reporter. But I do wonder if he'll end up at NASA as part of the ending. Maybe that's why he's not in Hito's life anymore in the future. And that's one theory that I've heard recently, which I didn't talk about last week. I've heard the idea that he either becomes a reporter in America or he ends up working at NASA and Hito encourages him to achieve his dreams so they don't end up together. And some people think that Min Che is a daughter that Hito didn't tell Eugen about, while others think that Hito ended up with someone else. Anyway, if you want more theories, it's probably best to listen to my last episode since I compiled a bunch of theories that I had heard other fans talking about. One other point I want to make about resilience and kindness is that I really like that scene in the drama when Hito goes to the restaurant to eat and she's scared of being recognized because she's caught up in the fencing controversy with Yurim, but she still gets recognized by the older uncle sitting at the table next to her. And instead of siding with the media and blaming Hito, the older uncles actually tell her that they're happy that she won and they understand how hard it must have been for her to be falsely accused. And there's something really lovely about that scene because while all the people immediately around Hito made her feel quite alone, she got the support and the words that she needed to hear from the kindness of strangers. And I think that's such a powerful reminder that a little bit of kindness can go a long way to someone else. But I think now that we've talked about resilience, it's a good time to start talking about sports dramas. And I mentioned last week that I wanted to talk about sports dramas and that for a long time I had not been into sports dramas but then realized it wasn't actually the shows that I didn't like it was the fact that I didn't like playing sports myself. I feel like I have all these like horrible memories of being picked last for sports teams or being hit in the face with a ball so sports was not exactly a favorite theme of mine when it came to watching shows but in recent years I've changed my mind about them which I want to talk about in a moment but I wanted to say firstly that I was confused for a long time about who sports dramas were made for and that's because I think a lot of drama watchers sometimes might not actually be interested in the sports themselves like me and I'm gonna say this is a bit of a generalization but often when people are sporty a lot of the time they like to go outside and play the sports themselves rather than watch the sport being played I guess and if they do watch the sport being played it's the actual matches or games as opposed to a dramatization of them and all this is based 
off of one friend who was sporty but who didn't like to watch sports dramas because she said that it was just watching actors who aren't actually athletes but who have trained for a little bit and then there's a bit of movie magic and editing that goes on and so she felt like it wasn't really watching sport. But then a lot of friends that enjoy watching sports dramas actually convinced me to watch them and like them as well because they said it's not about watching the sport being played, it's about getting inspiration and motivation from watching someone work really hard at achieving a goal. Sports dramas are inspirational because they're about all those things that we just talked about like having a growth mindset, getting grit and being determined in the face of adversity and those kinds of things make us feel really good and remind us that in real life we can also work hard to tackle the things that are giving us a lot of trouble in our day-to-day lives. And I think one kind of idea that's really popular in the sports drama is the idea of the underdog and that's like the person or the team that no one expects to win but then they work so hard and overcome all their issues that they end up coming out on top. And so you kind of see that a little bit in 2521 with Hito. No one expects her to beat Urim because Urim is so experienced and she's won gold medals before. But because Hito works so hard, she comes out on top and she actually ends up beating Urim, which is pretty amazing because she hasn't ranked before in the past. But I guess I don't know if this is a true underdog story because when I think underdog, they're usually like really terrible at the start, kind of like in Hot Stove League where the entire baseball team goes from being a team that loses all the time to a team that wins every game. And in this case, I think with Hito, she is not a bad fencer, but she was just stuck in a rut. And there were moments that were really bad for her development because there was no one supporting her and she didn't really have the resources to help herself. So for example, you see that her old coach was really unsupportive and he actually told her that she shouldn't be fencing. Whereas when she moved to the new school, she got a new coach. And I think that really changes how an athlete performs if they have someone backing them up and giving them really good advice. So I think in terms of 25-21, it kind of reminds me a little bit more of something like Weightlifting Fairy or Racket Boys, where the main character is not that bad at sports, but the story is about the development and progress and the whole gradual journey of becoming a really good sports person. And it's also about picking yourself up when you're at your worst and bouncing back when you think you don't have the ability to do it. And this idea, I think, also links to another popular type of sports drama. And this is the type where you watch a really good athlete have a very big fall from grace and then they have to climb their way back up again. And I think of things like Fight My Way where Dungman has a fall from grace from Taekwondo and he has to go back to training and improve himself so that he can get back to where he could have been. If we look at Hito's story there's a bit of this as well because she's someone who used to be really good at the sport as a kid and she even defeated Urim when they were kids. But then years later she has to keep practicing and practicing so that she can beat Urim again as an adult. But this is totally what makes the show worth watching because we're following Hito and being inspired by all her actions and watching her overcome hoops time and time again. Even when you think things are going to be great it always seems like a new problem pops up but then Hito has this ability to really take things down without taking things to heart. So I think that's all I have to say about sports dramas but I do have one more topic that I want to touch on before I finish up today and that last topic is to reveal filming locations because I think a lot of fans have found this drama to be really beautiful especially the places where all the characters are hanging out and I do think some people don't really care for filming locations because they're sort of like well what's the point the actors aren't actually there and a place is just a place but I feel like these places can be really fun for traveling and I'm someone who enjoys the magic of going to the actual place and feeling like you've stepped into the drama there's also a good chance that there's pretty good photo ops around that area I think my general tips if you want to visit filming locations is that 
you should go to places where there wasn't too much like digital magic and the location still looks like something you can identify from the drama because some places really don't look that much alike to the place that you see on screen for example I went to some places where they shot scenes of Harry Potter but it didn't look that much alike because of the special effects so I guess what I'm trying to say is I would only go to a drama location if the place looks exactly the same as it does in the drama or at least looks recognizable I also like to go to filming locations only if there's something fun to do so I wouldn't go to a filming location if it's just like a bus stop or a brick wall but if the place is a museum or a restaurant or an arcade or something like that I would totally go or if it's close to places where there are fun things to do like close to an art village or something like that then I would go and visit that filming location and I would definitely go if there was an event there because you never know you might be seeing the actors who are promoting the events. In terms of 2521 most of the drama was shot in the city of Jonju and Jonju is a place that's a mixture of urban and rural life. It's also the 16th largest city in Korea and apparently it's really well known for its culinary culture like a lot of chefs train there, it's well known for its home cooking and there's also lots of food festivals that take place over there. One iconic location that a lot of fans are visiting is Hido's house, that big beautiful orange house that seems to be elevated on a platform. Hido's house is actually close to Jonju Hanok village which is a village full of traditional Korean houses. I believe there's over 800 houses there and it looks really beautiful because it contrasts against the modern city as well and her house sits on a street called Omokdekil and this street is also where they film Yijin riding his bike every time he delivers newspapers so it is a central filming location for the drama. Another place close by is Sohakdong Art Village and it's this beautiful little village or town with lots of cute art stores and this is also the place where the comic book store is located and by comic book store I mean it's the place that Yijin works and the place that Hido goes to borrow her full house comics. Apparently this comic book store in the drama is a real comic book store in real life so that's pretty cool and you could probably go there and check out the full house series like Hido does. Another location that a lot of fans of 2521 are visiting is this tunnel near Hido's house and it's called Hanbyokul and in English it's called One Wall Tunnel and if this sounds familiar it's because it's the horseshoe shaped tunnel where Yijin and Hido run through when they're running away from the security guard after they've been playing with the taps at the school. This tunnel was built during the Japanese colonial period. These days it's seen as a way to get to Hanbyokdong, the pavilion that's famous because a lot of writers used to go there to think and to write their books. And so that's a few places where they shot 2521 in Jeonju City. But there's also a few places where they shot the drama in Seoul as well. And some of these filming locations actually overlap with some from our beloved summer. So maybe that's why both dramas seem so aesthetic. And actually one of the places that is featured in both dramas is this restaurant. It has such a long name and I feel like I'm going to butcher it so I probably won't say it. But that restaurant is the place where Hido and her coach go to celebrate after she gets on the national team. And in our beloved summer it's featured as a place where Ji Eng goes for a company dinner with all his workmates. If you're wanting to check this place out and you're wondering how you're going to find it when I haven't said the name I will leave a link down below in my show notes so that you can find it yourself in the future. Another scene that is shot in Seoul is the scene where Hido and Yurim are meant to meet and find out that they're internet friends but Yurim sees Hido and she runs away. This 
takes place at Moronia Park, which is this large green leafy park, and it gets its name from a Moronia tree which grows in the center of the park. Apparently there's always exhibitions and events happening in the park, so it's worth a visit if you're ever in Seoul. And so the last place I want to mention is a little bit weird. Remember when I said I don't like to visit places where you can't do something? Well, I don't think you can really do something at this place, but it is also oddly a place where my favorite dramas have filmed a scene before. And the reason this might be is because it's actually the front of a private mansion. In 2521, this place features as Yi Jin's house before his family go bankrupt, and it's the scene where his dad gives him his red sports car. This location also features in Our Beloved Summer, it's where Yonsu waits for her grandmother one time. The front of this house also features in Taxi Driver as the house of Chairman Han. And finally, it's also featured as Jun's house in one of my favorite dramas of all time, Dodo Sol Sol La La Sol. And so I'd break my own filming location rule in that I would go here even though there's not that much to do. But I guess it would just be cool to see a place that has been in so many of my favorite dramas and is also the front of a real life mansion. Also, I guess technically it would be like seeing Yi Jin's house as well. So again, I'll leave the links down below if you want to check out this place one day. Anyway, that wraps up all the filming locations that I found for 2521. There are still fans looking for new filming locations. For example, I saw some of the fans even go and look for the phone booths that Namju Hyuk and Kim Tyree shot in. And I'm not completely sure if those are the real phone booths, but they looked similar. And also some people even went to the train station as well. So I feel like there's a real fever for 2521 at the moment. But these are all the confirmed places that I've seen so far online. And so hopefully it's helped you to plan some of the places to visit next time you're in Korea. So I think that's all I have to say for this week. And if you enjoyed the episode, please share it with other friends who are watching 2521. If you have a thought or opinion about anything I've said, or you want to tell me a new filming location, you can reach me down on my socials below in the show notes. And if you're able to leave a review, that would be so great because it would help other drama watching fans to find this podcast. Thanks so much for listening this week and I'll see you in the next episode.